it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast. Brian Robb, Rich Levine, a frustrating loss in San Antonio. Uh, B-Rob, the Celtics come home this weekend for a Saturday night battle with the bubble champion Lakers. Uh, Boston's now the fifth seed in the East. Loses a four or six. But I want to start this a a little bit, a a brighter tone, all right? That's a kind of a depressing start. So (laughs) I'm going to read to you, to get us started here, the top five scorers in the NBA Mm. at this moment. Sure. And when I say top five scorers, I mean the players who have scored the five most points. We're not talking about average here. Okay. Just bulk pointage. Yes. Okay, so number one, Steph Curry. Impressive. Him. Good for him. Good, good, good for Steph. 499 points, currently leads the NBA. Uh, number two, someone else you may have heard of, LeBron James. Also familiar with him. Um, uh, he might have a future. Yeah, 36 years old, still doing it. Uh, number three, Luka Doncic. Doncic? I stumbled when I said that. <laughs> Luka, number three. Tied at number four, so this is four and five. Number four is Bradley Beal. Number five is Jalen Brown. That is funny that those two are tied. Just well, Bradley Beal has also played four fewer games. That's okay. So that <laughs> I'm like, like the I, fact that he's in the top five, given he's played thirteen games this right. season, is, is ridiculous. I mean, speaks to what? Uh, did you see some pictures of him last night? By the way, after the Wizards lost, or maybe it was two nights ago after they lost in Houston. After setting an NBA record for his 10th consecutive loss when, when scoring 40 points in a game. Yeah. Is that really it? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Um, um, I did see that. But uh, again, on a brighter note, keeping with, the, keeping with the positive aspect of the very beginning of this podcast, I'm going to say that not only is Jalen Brown in the top five of scores this season so far, but among that top five, again, we're talking about Steph Curry, we're talking about LeBron James, Luka, and Bradley Beal. Uh, Jalen has the best field goal percentage. He has the best three-point percentage. He has the most steals. He has the fewest turnovers. I mean, that's... So Jalen Brown's come to, come to play this season. Right? And I think that is, that is the story of the season so far, right? Like, if you look from... And I honestly think that's even bigger than Kemba Walker coming back and looking, like, obviously not, like, 100%, but looking as good as you would hope for someone who's coming in fairly rusty and strengthening a knee for four months, that's been an issue for him. So like Kemba might be one B, but I think just Jalen Brown being not just going from what I thought was a pretty big leap from two years ago to last season. I thought that was significant, but from not equalizing that, but just taking a pretty major second step up here 
is not just for the present, but the, the future of the franchise might just have to recalibrate how, you know, the front office is thinking about their, their long-term plan or just make them think a lot better about what their long-term game plan is in terms of this being the guy that you weren't willing to give up for a, a, a large number of players. And now this is, you know, it's only 15 games, but we're seeing that bet look very, very wise right now. Right. I mean, it's 15 games he's playing at this level, but it's his entire career now that we've seen him slowly get better right. and grow in every which way. And again, I, I don't think he's done. I don't think this isn't, this is not peak, peak Jalen Brown. I think given, given what he was already good at and get at, give, given what he's still getting better at, like obviously his court vision's on another level right now compared to what we'd seen from Jalen, but I, I think he can still get better. You know, I think the shooting can get better. I think the foul shots can get better. Um, and he's a, and he's a pretty damn good defender as well. Yeah. And I do think if you want to start for places where the improvement will need to come and I mean, this is like a team wide thing right now, but it is defensively. Like there are, I think everyone, it's not just him. It's like everyone's had lapses here and there in this team that have made this team's defense middle of the road with plenty of room for growth. But I think offensively right now for him as a 24 year old to pretty much eliminate the main weakness of his offensive game in terms of the, the passing right now is huge. And then I, I wrote a column on Boston sports journal earlier this week, um, just going through the numbers for his efficiency at all levels of the floor. And he's among high volume shot takers, rich. He is like top five at the rim, mid range and above the break threes. Like there's, there's very few players in the NBA that can, you know, that take a lot of those shots, period. And he's not just a guy that's doing that, but he's like, you know, making them at an absurd clip. And the more and more, you know, these games go along right now, the more you can, the less you can say, okay, this is a hot start. No, this is like, this is what he's turning into, it looks like. Yeah, and, if, and, and one thing you could maybe say about him earlier in his career, maybe he was a little out of control sometimes. Maybe he was a little sure. sloppy sometimes. But, again, the game has slowed down, and he keeps on getting stronger. His handles, you know, his ability to, to break a guy down off the dribble is, again, it's, it's next level. I think, I think it was the first hoop. Have you noticed how, how many Celtics games start with a Marcus Smart made three-pointer, by the way? It's it started sometime in that the Raptors series in the playoffs last year. I feel like every other game now, uh, the first hoop seems to be a Marcus three. But on the first, I think it was the first or second possession. It was the first hoop against San Antonio on Wednesday night. You know, Jalen had 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 uh, Demar Derozan the top top of the key just pulled off. It was almost like a Kyrie Irving like you know arsenal of of of, of dribbles and then found uh, Marcus for a wide open three to get things started. But he's just doing stuff like that all the time. Where, where even last year, if he if he had done it, we would have been like, "Oh wow," you know, like like that's that's a, a glimpse of what he can be. But now that's what he is. We're seeing it every game, every night. It is, and that is honestly, I mean, you look at where this team is right now in the big picture, and you see, you know, Tatum and Brown as two guys. They're not. I mean. Jalen Brown has to do this for, I think, a half a season to put himself in, like, a, you know, a top 15 player in the league conversation, top, even top 20. But, like, at the level, like, those two guys are, like, bona fide top 20 guys and as, you know, even a worst-case scenario right now. And so when you have that, you know, going into the season with 
you know, Hayward walking away, you wonder, okay, what's going to happen here when the added pressures on Jalen Brown, the defenses can focus in on him more. Um, he's going to be asked to do more. Like how is that he going to respond to that? And the fact that he's running with all these opportunities has to make the front office right now kind of look at where they're at. And especially if, you know, Kemba's knee is looking, you know, like it's on steady ground after a few more weeks here, like, you know, you, you start to think more aggressively about the present, whereas that was going to be maybe this was going to be a year where everything gets recalibrated and then you, you really start pushing hard once Brown and Tatum get fully in their prime. Right now it looks like, you know, we're already at that point. Like we're already – and not that there's not room for growth, but they're both at a point where it's like, yeah, like this is the, – the gas should be pushed on every single year right now in this, in this window. Okay, so like let's get aggressive. And, I, and I, we, we go down this road every once in a while, but who, who are the Celtics bringing in? to get aggressive. Like we talking, I mean, I, I still would love Aaron Gordon. I think he honestly might be my, my number one choice of, of the realistic targets. Um, but I mean, you're talking like Harrison Barnes, you're talking Norm Powell, like uh, Lowry Markinen in Chicago. Like who's, who is, who's putting the Celtics over that hump in the present? It, it's honestly, it changes based on the week in terms of like what, <laughs> what the biggest need is on this roster. I feel like, and we'll get into but more. Looking at the big this, picture, looking yeah, at the like, big picture, though, like who do you who could you want? Yeah, how I do think they, like, how do they how does how does he capitalize? How does Danny capitalize on on, on this? You know, again with with, with Jalen now potentially being, you know, he was always kind of the like the B to to Tatum, but it's 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 a lot closer these days, right? And, and Kemba hopefully will continue to get better. So you got those, you got Marcus, you know, maybe you have Tyson, whatever. But who is that that next piece who's going to put him over the top? I would think this is, I mean, you have to think Gordon from a fit standpoint is pretty close to the top of the list. I think you want ideally a player that can be incredibly defensive, like a bigger wing that can play the four, the three. And, you know, if you want to go get super crazy, like, you know, maybe a small ball five, because obviously Gordon can do that. Um, that can hit open threes. That's, I'd say, pretty low usage otherwise. So you're not having a guy that's taking away shots from, from Tatum Brown and Walker. Like you want something that's going to just be, you know, take what's in front of him as opposed to like, you know, taking a bigger part of the offense and maybe not cause rumblings, but just, you know, disrupt the hierarchy that, that should be in place there. And so, yeah, like I think a, a Gordon does that. I think a, a Barnes does that whether the the price point on a guy like that is, is too much, I think is, is a, is worthy of the discussion. Do you, do you go for someone like in a, not you know, PJ Tucker, that feels like is a, as a, a much less expensive, but like similar ilk, but the upside clearly isn't there where like in another year he might be over the hill. So like, does that make sense? Are you, do you focus more here? Do you think on, a young guy that can be around and pay a higher premium for that guy in a trade rich or like, John, are you, like a John Collins. Yeah. Like exactly. Someone like that who you'd really have to invest in over the long term, but from a, a timeline standpoint would clearly work in well with what the Celtics have to work with here in terms of their own core. Or do you just say, Hey, let's get a veteran role player that is, you know, we don't know how long he's going to last for, but, it's not going to – we're not going to take a huge swing here. We're just going to try to find a couple guys that are 
an upgrade on the, the Shemi Ojale's and the, the Grant Williams of the world. Yeah, and like t- taking that, take that a soft swing that almost feels like doing nothing at all. Like you said, that doesn't, in my mind, that doesn't capitalize on what, on what you were talking about on, on a chance to win this year, right? Like maybe it, it, it makes them a little bit, a little bit more solid, right? But does, that's not a game changer. Even PJ Tucker, to a, to a certain extent, doesn't, uh, you know, because who is he taking minutes from? I think he's taking minutes from Tristan. The, yeah, like Tristan or the, in the poo-poo platter of the bench, which we'll be getting to a little bit later in this podcast. Um, yeah, it's just like he's a guy where you're like having someone who can camp out and make corner threes and fight on defense um, against. And I don't know, like I haven't watched a ton of P.J. Tucker this year. Um, you know, he's hitting his three still, but defensively, like for guys his age, you can when you lose it, you can lose it quickly and that can – you know, obviously change what your, your, your expectations are for a guy like that in a hurry. But from a, you know, a guy that I never thought he was the type of guy that ever held the Rockets back in a, in a playoff situation over the last few years when they were, you know, making deep runs. Like he was always someone that's like, he's, he, he's one of the few fighters on that team defensively. He, you know, obviously isn't going to try to do anything offensively that he's not supposed to do. And a guy in that ilk, I think, is kind of exactly what you're looking for um, if you're not going to go for the, the big prize like a, a Gordon or, or a Collins. Um, I, and I would say maybe, maybe this could be a time to, to transition because, you know, my, my first thought when, when you were just describing P.J. Tucker is that it sounds like the best case of, of Shemi Ojale. I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of the role that he's yeah. playing on the team right now. The guy who's going to take an open shot, hopefully battle on defense, and then kind of not really do anything else. Right, and you're okay and, with that as long as as long as he's hitting at a at a decent clip and 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 competing on defense, that's that's what you're asking. Um, right. Or you're, you're obviously a Grant Williams kind of guy too, and that could be another dude who could lose out if if PJ comes. But still, that doesn't seem like the the move that's gonna that's gonna put the Celtics over the top. No, and it is, and I think there's a lot of competition that's gonna be out there for a guy like Tucker, um, you know, because he is affordable and. Um, can slide into a lot of rotations. So the, a premium, paying a premium for that, you know, you could probably guard against that. Um, before we get to the bench, I do want to ask you, I don't think we've talked since, at least in, in great depth, like after Kemba Walker being back here for now, we, it's a full, full week, essentially. He's got five games under his belt. What, what were you expecting what do you think he he looks like so far? And how do you think this is going to go? Brad Stevens even said yesterday, no back-to-backs all year for him. Um, I like what do you What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen so far, you can't – I mean, given given everything, right? Given what he's coming back from, the the time off, the – what, what it will take, you know, playing the first few games without Tatum, then, you know, a game like last night, the first game where, where, where Jalen, Jason, and, and Kemba are all back together. Um, it seems like at the very least he's getting the shots he wants to get, right? When he, so you, the, your biggest concern as it, as it pertains to this knee is his quickness, is his first step. And, he's, and he's, he's showing that, he's flashing that, he's getting open shots, he's getting the shots that, that Kemba Walker needs to get. The only problem is he's not really hitting them, right? So, I mean, I, I guess you can take the maybe a moral a moral victory in, in that and just assume that he's going to need a little bit more time to to get into the flow but like if he can start just hitting shots the way that he has for you know a decade or so in, in the NBA 
I I don't know. I mean that I don't know that that's why you brought Kemba Walker into the in, into the fray and his defense. I don't know. I mean, was was that zone that that Brad put in last night and and that the Celtics did have some success with? Is that maybe a new twist to try to make up for for Kemba and D? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I actually watched went back in that Spurs game and watched some of their, you know, just huge collapses in certain parts of the game. And it wasn't one, I mean, Kemba wasn't good, but to be honest, like everyone was bad. So I do think that was a situation where they just rolled that out there. Cause it's like, we just can't stop anyone in like one-on-one spots or on, you know, cutting or whatever at this point. And so it worked, but yeah, I think big picture wise Kemba, like the defense is what it is. It's, it's not going to get any better. I would think as his, as his age gets up there, but you know, I think we saw it in like the Cleveland and the Detroit games, like when he's or, um, the Chicago games, I should say, like when he's engaged and like has a little pep in his step, he can still, you know, be a, a, a net neutral or positive, even on some nights against bad teams there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it should be, I mean, we'll see how it goes in that front, but five games in, like there's not a whole lot. I think the good outweighs the bad in terms of what we've seen him so far um uh, before we transition let me let me get the the ad read in please. real quick um did you know that the super bowl is here b rob and you can get it on all the action at bet online tampa bay the first team in history to play for a title on their home field it's currently a three and a half point underdog uh against kc uh the chiefs are looking for for back-to-back titles for the first time in almost two decades uh who tom brady's patriots obviously it's the goat against the next in line bet online has hundreds of props for the game including game mvp margin of victory even the length of the national anthem can you believe that uh always available online on your mobile device visit bet online today bet online is your online sportsbook experts um and we are the experts of playing take it or leave it with the celtics bench so i think it's time to to flex those muscles yes and so we're this is going to be a first. It's our first game of Take It or Leave It. And we're, I think it's the first time we're having a second guest join us mid-podcast here, the, the great Ryan Bernardoni. Oh, my God. He's on, he's on video. He's on video. It's I've his, never this is I was a, on video last time. He was. I don't think Rich has seen you on video before, so he's, he's probably in shock right now. Uh, yeah. But this is um, – It might Ryan take is, me a, f- a few moments, but I'll be, I'll be ready to go. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, this is, I think uh, – Ryan, we, we, we talked with Rich before the show and going in in honor of, of Brad Stevens going uh, 13 deep into his bench um, through two and a half quarters uh, in San Antonio on Wednesday night. Um, clearly, there's, uh, there's not a lot of separation right now in this Celtics bench. And the team is at full strength or close to full strength finally. Um, you know, Lankford and Payne Pritchard should be back in the, in the coming weeks here, but there uh, there's going to need to be some decisions made. I, I don't think going 12 or 13 deep is a, is a sustainable idea um, or a, a, a idea that makes sense from a win and loss standpoint over long term. So um, we're going to workshop the name, but I, I want us to go through, through a, a take it or leave a game here where we go through the bench guys one by one um, debate. Do you, essentially debate the player do you want to keep them what could you get for them in in theory and is you know weighing the the risk you know the the opportunity cost of keeping them versus you know selling low on certain guys now and just you know have a have a discussion here who 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 should end up playing for this team um 
who shouldn't be playing for this team, who should maybe be playing to be, to, to increase their trade value. Um, and so, and then you have to, you have to take it or leave it with each of these players um, at the end of the discussion. So I'm going to start out with an easy one here. Um, first guy off the bench last night, Carson Edwards, <laughs> rich, take it or leave it. Carson Edwards after um, some signs of life from the, uh, the second year guard. Some signs of life and the fact that you would think that he still somewhere has the ability to, to be a pretty damn good shooter, which is a commodity in today's NBA, in case you guys uh, didn't know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him for now, given, given everything, given, given his status as a second-round pick here in Boston. Um, I'm going to take Carson Edwards. I will, I will leave him, I guess. <laughs> uh, we have to he, work out the name. If you guys have better ideas, we can... <laughs> I just think it's a funny game. It's, it's the, the game that's moving the country. Is this guy a ninth or 11th man? Uh, <laughs> basically what we're talking about. People love it. For a lot of these guys. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not a point guard, but he's small, and uh, you can't play him with Kemba and because of that, and you probably can't play him with Pritchard or Teague because of that, to, you know, realistically. Um, and the shot doesn't go in. He's got a couple opportunities here, and I'm, I'm – looking at his little stats page. He's four for 13 from three. Um, he made one or two that, that looked good, but he's four for 13 and he didn't shoot it all that well last year uh, anywhere, including in Maine particularly. So uh, no, I will, I'm going to leave Carson Edwards and, and say that there's too many other players who need an opportunity before him. I will say, I feel like this is a pure, not a pure, but I do think it's like, let's just throw him out there right now and maybe someone will take him, you know, for nothing. I mean, you can probably, honestly, you can probably give him away. Like he's not making much, but he does have a guaranteed year next year. Um, but I certainly think I'm with Ryan. I'm, I'm going to leave it on Carson Edwards. I think with the emergence of Pritchard and Kevin being back, you're just, there's, there's plenty of small guys in this roster. And he unfortunately kind of, I think missed his chance to, to be that guy last year. And now I think Pritchard's overtaken him. So um, I don't know, Rich, you... I'm, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to help his trade value. Yeah, you want to... Yeah, so that's fine. Like, Give him some positive, positive yeah. press. Right, which is fine, which is like, I feel like the, the, the tactic here, but with Pritchard already getting some shots up on the court in San Antonio last, like, uh, he might, it might only be another game or two for, for Carson. So, so when, we say, when we say leave, like, we're saying, like, who are we replacing him with? I think you're whoever they trade for, with the, the exception. I feel like is that's a that's a roster spot. That's probably the the first thing that opens up. I feel like Ryan, when you like, if you're gonna if you need to open a roster spot, I think Carson Edwards is a guy that's probably in most danger of just being either traded away in that deal or just maybe even waived outright. Yeah, I mean, he would would be a likely one unless you're trying to you know cut salary for some reason. Uh, I, for me, the meaning of of take or leave it is more. Uh, you know, if you're leaving them, you're leaving them out of the primary rotation. Sort of, that's maybe the way I would think oh, about it. Okay. Where, because uh, okay. you, you know, the answer to this can't be I would trade him, I would trade him, I would trade him. Like, you know, if there's four guys that you want to say that you want you want to get rid of, you're not going to be moving them all out like that. Uh, so to Pretty me, way. you gotta you gotta stack those salaries. You gotta get up to. <laughs> that's the beauty well, of take it or leave he, it. It's, it's the eye of the beholder. Is you this know, guy can... inside the a ten man rotation or not? And, and if he's not, is it a player who you want to you know envision being with the team beyond this season? Maybe yes or no. In some of these cases where you have, have younger players, but uh, for me, it would be a, a leave and a leave. I don't think he should be part of the primary rotation. I don't think he should be on the team beyond this season. If there's a way to 
to move him out along the way, then uh, you know that that's fine. Uh, maybe he'll go somewhere else and have a little bit more success in a, a team that he potentially makes a little bit more sense on with a, a bigger point guard that's going, you know, trending younger and less uh, less high aspirations. But um, I don't I'm also leaving really him out of the primary rotation. By the way, I didn't yeah, I didn't realize we were grading yeah. on that. Yeah, I don't know. No, but I, I, well, I don't know what it means exactly. So that's right. sort of what I meant. <laughs> I do <laughs> like the the open D interpretation. I think because I, I I think Rich is like yeah, like if you want to. Like this is the time to play him if you're going to play him for that, you know, to, to see if anyone wants him. But yeah, we can, we can clarify the, the take it or leave it meeting in terms of um, the actual rotation itself. How are we going to break up the take it or leave it board game? Is it going to be 33% like the profits for all of us? <laughs> Penis getting nothing. <laughs> all right. No. Okay. N- n- next up, we are going to go, I think this is an interesting case here. And I'm going to throw it to you guys as, um, as I think there are a lot of variables involved here. I'll start with Ryan. Um, Javante Green, next up in take it or leave it, um, has had a, honestly, he's probably been one of the better players on the bench so far, Ryan, but, um, and it's also very tight with Jason Tatum. Does this, I don't know whether that impacts anyone's thoughts here, but I do think that he's kind of a borderline case with the, the current personnel on the roster. I think he's been the best of the, the like the, the backup wings, which isn't saying a whole lot because they've all been, <laughs> you know, underwhelming in, in some way or another. But um, he knows his role. You know, he's out there to defend, play hard, and all those sorts of things. Um, he's, I don't trust his shot at all, but he's not afraid to take it. He's a little, Ojale is, semi Ojale has gotten a little, uh, high on his own ability to shoot. Maybe he's taken some that I, that I don't love as much and you don't really expect Javante to ever do that. Um, so, you know, as a defender, a guy who gets out in transition um, draws a little bit of, you know, a couple free throws here and there. And, and the one skill that he has is I think he's overtaken Tatum as the best on the team at jumping passing lanes, which seems like a kind of a stupid thing, but it gets you free points every once in a while, particularly if you're as, as athletic as he is. So for the moment, I uh, will, will take him uh, as part of that, you know, the sort of the back end of the rotation um, do I think he has a long-term future with the team? Uh, maybe it's not out of the question, but for the moment, I think you have to take him, uh, in part because a lot of the other guys we talk about, we're probably going to leave and somebody has to be taken. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And I, and I think that the, the player that you were just describing, and I thought about this a little bit before we started talking, it's sort of like a, a poor man's t- Tony Allen a little bit. He's got a little, a little Tony in him, like the shaky jump shot, the, the defense, be able to get out there on the break, get into lanes. Uh, and if you can do that a little bit, I mean, they're going to find a place for you in, in, in today's NBA. So that's a take for me. Yeah, he's not quite Tony Allen on the defensive end. but No, poor man. Um, poor man. He, he, he puts in the effort and, and he doesn't, uh, I don't know. There's, I, you may have been talking about this before. I think right when I joined, you were uh, alluding to it a little bit that they've had some pretty serious defensive breakdowns at different times. And I, I don't remember him ever being sort of in that camp. He's, he's pretty solid uh, as well as being athletic and, and working hard. But yeah, not quite Tony Allen, but I, I get what you're saying. B-Rab, you're muted. I'm, I had something bad to say, so I muted myself. Um, <laughs> I am taking him purely based on the dunks um, and okay. the, uh, the Tatum factor, like, as well. Like, you want to – that's – I think he's honestly, like, the perfect 14th or 15th guy on the roster that is capable of being in the rotation. Like, when the need arises of, um, like, this roster is where you have injuries and you can bump him up and – He's the three point shot is always going to be an issue, but like 
Ryan said, like defense, he's defense. He's largely solid. And I think from an offensive rebounding standpoint and like back cutting and things like that, like, like you said, like he's, you know, a very lesser version of Tony Allen, but like does a lot of the same things of that ilk. So um, yeah, like keep him around guy who doesn't try to overstep what he, he does and, and um, you know, use him when you need him. Becoming, becoming good friends with the franchise player, never a bad decision. No, not I at all. I respect that, man. That's a smart move. Smart business them. move. Kemba Walker, too. He had a play last night in, against the Spurs in transition where um, he got out and he ended up laying it in. And I, I'm so used to him dunking everything from ridiculous angles <laughs> that I thought he was going to flush it by double clutching underneath a defender chasing back. Like the angle was not there at all. It was just one of those plays where he laid it in. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like every player in the league has to lay it in there. And I've seen him make these ridiculous dunks in transition a couple times where you just don't think there's any way he can, he can actually finish it. And so he laid it in yesterday. I was like, oh, okay. So even he has a limit to exactly how ridiculous he can be in, in transition. And it's like an impossible angle with a trailing defender and, you know, not having the exact right footwork to get there. And that's what it takes to stop him from flushing it. So Yeah, it looks like I he even surprised that. himself a little bit on that one. I think if we're talking about the same one, he didn't even shoot it. He kind of just like let go at some point. Yeah, like exactly. It was the point where it was he, like he it, and it just yeah. soared out of his hand and off the backboard, right? It went in, but it, yeah. I, I think you might be right that he really thought he was going to go like, go under the defender and then and then be able to dunk it. It was just like, oh, there was no space there, but thankfully it went in. All right, let's go to a new member of the bench as Wednesday night. I think this is, I want to get to this now. I think this is a meaty topic for the moment. Um, Tristan Thompson. You would think an obvious take it here, but Rich, um, averaging 6.2 points per game, career low 45% shooting from the field. Um, the defensive it's numbers. It's just, it's disgusting to watch him play offense. Right. So based on, obviously Tristan Thompson is a, a useful player. I guess the question for this, you know, part of take it or leave it is, are the Celtics better off playing Tice and Rob Williams, the line share of those minutes right now at center over uh, Tristan Thompson? I mean, last night that probably wasn't the case. Um, just this one game. Generally speaking, I, w- I would not be upset if, if for some reason Tristan Thompson disappeared. Like, it was, like and, it's just, <laughs> and, it, and it's just Tyson, Tyson Time Lord. Like I'm comfortable going forward with, with those two. But given the reality of the situation, given the fact that I, I'm still holding out a little hope that Tristan can can play himself into shape and that maybe the guy we're seeing right now is not the guy you would see come playoff time. Uh, so for that reason right now, because it's only it's, it's not even February yet, um, I'm going to take Tristan, TTT, for right now. <laughs> but it's, it's, I'm on the fence a little bit. Hey, I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence. I am willing to leave <laughs> him now. Um, Were you dropping so him off, Ryan? Were you just used like... You dropped him off in like New York, Calabasas. Going back up to Toronto as part Toronto. of my OG and Anobi trade. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, hello. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'm dropping him off in Tampa as part of my OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't go across the border. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they signed him, I was of the the opinion that's like it's fine, it's not great, it's you know, it's it's okay. He was a player who I thought when they were only going to have the taxpayer MLE, I was like maybe they'll be able to get him for the taxpayer MLE, sign him for the full MLE, and it's like eh, okay, I I get it. I would have preferred they we as we talked ad nauseum about like I would have preferred they went through the offseason in a different way and use that in a different way uh, he's been so bad that like I wonder if they just would have been better off keeping Ennis Cantor um, mm. 
not only because like I am not an Cantor fan by any means, but it's like Brad had already demoted Cantor as part of the playoffs, like so he wouldn't feel the obligation to play him again. Like he seems to feel an obligation to play Thompson. And the problem is that like he's not playing defense well. Uh, he's a black hole on offense. He gets the ball and you know that he's going to like a jump hook that's going to go smashing off the backboard. If he, whenever he gets offensive rebounds, you see he's definitely going back up with it. As opposed to, to Rob Williams, who gets offensive rebounds this year at an even higher rate than Thompson is. And his first thought is to kick it out for a three. And, and Thompson says, this is my time to try to go up. And it, it just isn't working at all. And if what he is supposed to be is like a rebounding machine who can switch and he's not the guy you're going to count down to guard a Joel Embiid or something like that, like Time Lord is just so far outplaying him in that, you know, in that kind of archetype that I don't understand what Thompson's real value is. And that's where it gets to like Cantor, where for all of his faults, like the one thing he can't do is if you're going up against an Embiid type, like he stands behind him and waits for the, for the double team to come in. And Tristan was getting just trucked by, by Embiid like over and over again. And then he was in the game at the end, you know, at the end last night. And he did a good job contesting the, the DeRozan shot at, at the very end, but they were like hemorrhaging points when he was on the, the court at the end of the game. It's not like he was anchoring a really high level defense or anything there. So I, you know, I wasn't completely against the signing at the beginning, although it wasn't like ideal. And now you're just looking back and like, oh, boy, even just like keeping NS Cantor and having that 30th pick and doing something with it may have just been a better solution from where you are now. And if he's going to block Robert Williams, then I will drive him <laughs> to another team because he's just not a good old player. Right. Because like not only, like you said, can Robert Williams do some of those things better right now, but when you consider how much better he can get if he just gets more reps and you just get in a rhythm a little bit more, it's a double-edged sword, you know? It's, You're it's frustrating. saying that. <laughs> play him. Let him play. Let him, let him grow. Um, but it just doesn't ever seem to be on the cards. By the way, B-Rob, I watched the, uh, the Spurs uh, team do the broadcast. No, I watched the Celtics last night and I watched the condensed version on NBA.com today and I, it was the Spurs version. And they yep. call uh, Time Lord Williams Third, Ooh. the play-by-play guy. Every single time he did anything, they called him Williams Third. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> they must be tight with... I mean, they must have followed him in his college days or something. That must have been a... Yeah, but I, I like that better. That's my favorite, my favorite name for him so far, Williams the Third. Williams Third. That's your stick. Um, I am... Uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm in, I'm in Rich's camp on, on Thompson for now. I'm a very soft, take him, like give him another month. But um, the patience is, um, should be wearing thin for the coaching staff because I think the most alarming part is like from a defensive standpoint, it's like getting to a point where you're like, okay, well, can he just not switch on to smaller guys anymore? Like, are we just – and if that's the case, then it's like you're, you're not bringing much to that end of the floor. And that's a – and if that's what you're brought here for, then that's uh, that's a pretty big concern. Um, Why did he close instead of Tice last night? I know Tice came on for a couple of offensive possessions, but like I don't get that at all. I actually looked. So Tice, Tice was pretty bad defensively last night. He only played like 12 minutes, but like he was. I mean, and that's just like an Aldridge thing, I think for him, where he just that's a terrible like whatever he went. Aldridge went for like whatever like 45 or 50 at the Garden like last year against Tice. So for whatever reason, like, I mean, I agree. Like, I agree. Like you tie, like Tice has been so good at offense that like, you know, he was in Lakey and stuff, but he got those two early fouls and then he barely saw the floor the rest of the game. Um, and again, so that's where, I mean, it's like, we yeah, Thompson. Up, I don't know. We didn't give up the, the Celtics didn't give up a ton of points last night in total, but the Spurs went 27 for 33 at the rim last night. There was no yeah. rim protection at <laughs> no. all. 
and it was just ridiculous. And and at least Tice, I think, is a, well, definitely is a threat as a shot blocker. And if if the way you go down is Lamarcus Lamarcus Aldridge, who has been pretty bad this year, making twenty two foot jump shots, like he can do that over Tristan Thompson as well. I just it's I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm with you. I mean, it's. It's uh, the longer it goes, like he hasn't really done anything to earn those minutes. And when, and I would think that that hopefully is reflected in how he gets handled going forward. But who knows? Maybe uh, the Rich Paul, you don't want to, they're trying to make good with Rich Paul here. And so you can't bury his guy uh, a week, a month into his uh, signing. Um, all right. This will be a quick one, I think. Jeff Teague. Um, Brian, let's uh, let's keep no, this to, no. let's keep this to two minutes. <laughs> uh, he's been terrible, really terrible. And uh, as a fifteenth man that you sign for the minimum, you pick up a veteran who's been in the league for a long time. Whatever, that's fine. Uh, but you can't keep playing him. You know, he's he signed for a minimum for a reason, and you should not be you should not feel like a veteran's obligation to blame. He's been really terrible. I was thinking last night how much. Imagine if Patty Mills was in that spot. Yeah. Whew. That would be a lot of fun. Um, Richard? Or Payne Right. Well, that was another thing. As, as Brad was cycling through the guys on the, on the bench last night, sort of like shows how much they need slash miss uh, PP right now. Yeah. I mean, it's – I guess the good news for, from like Stevens and the staff, he, I don't think Teague played in the second half last night. So that was at least there was a, an awareness there of like, okay, we have to play catch up here. We can't, you know force feed this guy minutes that really isn't bringing anything to the table right now but yeah that that's a leave it I mean I think that's a situation where if he wants to be you know a a four string point guard and you keep on I'll keep him on the roster over over Carson Edwards um but beyond that like he's just not I mean he's shooting 28 percent on two point field goals and he and that's probably that number's probably gone up in the last two weeks. So I think that that's that's the story right now. You just can't you can't have enough of those guys when you already have like Marcus Smart on your roster all also taking bad twos too much. You can't you can't have too many of those guys coming off the bench. And he really dribbles the ball a lot. And he's so slow. He just moves slowly and he dribbles the ball a ton. Uh, I mean, you said if he's okay being a fourth point guard, but if he's not okay being a fourth point guard, then he's just gonna be like a high school coach right now. There's no other team that's gonna take him and play him. There's yeah. not the most point guard needy, whatever though, the Orlando magic would not sign him and play him right now. He can't play. Hmm. I, I would agree with that. So it's, it will be interesting to see how that ends up. Um, given, you know, the, how much Brad Stevens in history has, has spoke fondly of him, but um, will this turn into a David Lee situation? I mean, we'll, I guess we'll find out in another uh, few weeks. In, around this conversation, let's 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 thank God that Peyton Pritchard is not out for the season because for at least a good 10, 15 minutes there, I was convinced that he was done. It certainly oh, didn't I look good. Really he said it popped. You could hear it on the broadcast. He said, I heard a pop, which you just assume means that it's an ACL or, or whatever. And my first reaction was, okay, I'm, you know, firing back up the go get George Hill train because like you can't, you can't have Jeff Teague playing that many minutes. And it was just like, if he's out for a long time, you, you may actually have a more of a need at, at point guard than you do on the wing. Uh, yeah, I agree. Thankfully it, for, you know, for him as well, obviously not just for, for my enjoyment of the Celtics. Uh, it does not seem to be that serious. Ryan, I got to tap out real quick uh, or in like five minutes, but first I want to hear your OG, your OG trade. 
there's not much to it. It's just like they're seven and 11. And I don't think anybody thinks they're really going anywhere. They may trade Lowry if he asks out. I think he probably has a lot of control over what happens there. Everybody knows that Siakam's not on a really good team. And, and OG looks, looks quite good. But also, does anybody think he's ever going to be an all-star? Like, right. I mean, he's not that level of player. And he's on a team that's seven and 11 or that's going to be in some amount of rebuilding or like, do they really, does Masai really want to have a team that's just sort of like fighting for the seventh or, you know, sort of in the, those, those uh, spots to get into the playing game for the next couple of years. If you come in and you're just like, pick one of our young players and we'll give you three first round picks. Like that's basically what you get for like a star player. And yeah, he's got a long contract that they just signed. It looks like he's going to be a good player on a good deal, but he's not like, you know, he's, he's not going to be, like your all NBA leading the team thing. And he's a little bit wasted on that kind of team where he would be really perfect on a team like the Celtics or a number of other really good teams. So if you just come in and say unprotected first round picks this year, two years from now, four years from now, and pick, you know, pick whatever young player you want off our team. That's not one of the Jays. Like, do they take that? It kind of depends where they, what they want to, what other moves they make, but I would make that offer at this point and just say like, then you know what your team is. It's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and OG Ananobi, like your three big wings who can, can really defend and two of them are dynamic scorers and one of them can, can shoot well enough and, and do a number of other things. Like that's, that's what I would do. And just damn the torpedoes. This team can win the title this year. If they make a trade like that is my opinion. They, they might not be the favorite, but they would be like a legitimate contender. Agreed. That's a take for me. That'd be a fun deal. If, um, and we'll see again how, if Toronto gets its head back above water or they see the writing on the wall with, um, with this core. Um, all right, let's, uh, we've got a couple minutes left here before Rich has to roll. So let's try to roll through these quickly. Rob Williams, I think we kind of already talked about in the Tristan Thompson discussion. I think that's a, a clear, uh, take for, for all three of us. Um, you do Grant or semi, you got to pick one. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's do it. I like that. I was actually going to do like Grant and yeah, like Grant semi, or to be honest, like, I almost want a different category at this point, I think. Yeah, I guess we can do because then I think Aaron versus it'll probably be Neesmith versus Romeo, like yeah. from a trade mm-hmm. standpoint, like if that's uh you know, if you have to give up one of those guys, who who do you bet on there? But yeah, let's start with Grant and Shemmy to to start to wrap things up. Rich, what what where are you leading in that uh in that head to head uh matchup? Uh, first, I want to say it's a, a crazy world and a, and a, a commentary on the state of the Celtics bench that Shemmy is now feels like one of the most reliable guys that you can turn to coming off the bench um i still think i would probably take grant over him i mean i probably i think definitely uh long term i just think the ceiling is a little bit higher uh he can do more things better defender um yeah so i go with grant yeah grant has struggled uh, at you know pretty seriously at times and i would still take take grant uh i think i've made my feelings about sammy known like he shot well um but uh, he just provides so little on the defensive end and, and Grant Williams is a little bit more of a playmaker down there. I think in the big picture, that's what you need, especially once you have Kemba back with the J. So I would take Grant as well. It's kind of wild. Do you guys want to guess what Grant Williams is shooting for three right now? 29, 35. He's shooting well now, isn't he? 41%. It's all those corners. It's always all these cor- Yeah. He like, the- he's had a couple random games where he's hit the corner threes and that's, I mean, it's obviously only, He's only taken 29 threes on the, the year, but that's, that's a, obviously a, a good number. And one would think that would get him in the rotation when Brad Stevens goes 12 deep into his bench in the first half. But well, um, around 42 or around 40% as well, isn't he? Yeah, Shemi is at, he's down to 37, but that's still, you know, that's obviously a great number for him. 
Um, doesn't. Do and then Grant was one of the first guys. Uh-huh. What was that, Grant? Ojale just doesn't do anything on defense. He had his first <laughs> steal. He has what, one steal and zero blocks on the season, and that's like regular for him over the course of his career. He just doesn't so ever make he, plays. So, but is he like competing? Is he actually like playing defense on, on the ball? Is it just not? Because when I see him out there, he seems like a guy who should be able to do that. It's not that he doesn't put in effort. He doesn't ever try to take the ball away. Like he just stays in front of his guy and he backs up and he eventually, you know, he holds ground in the post, stuff like that. The, you know, the, the really funny one was the one where he was contesting with his hands behind his back, right? It's like, I'm not even, I, I'm so afraid to foul him that I'm not even going to go straight up and down and try to block this Danny Green shot. And it's just like, I think it was Danny Green. Yeah. And he has one steal and zero blocks on the season. He has seven career blocks in three years and a quarter of a season. And he's up and he's theoretically has a 40 inch vertical. He never goes for the ball and you have to make plays in order to be a good defender. And Grant is a pretty good shot blocker for his size and makes some steals. And I would just rather have that. All true. But the 6.2 fouls per 36 minutes for Grant has to, uh, teams are attacking him. Like I think, it, uh, I think it was mentioned uh, even on the broadcast last night that it's just becoming a thing that like teams are going at him and he's just fouling and fouling and fouling. And I, and I get that. I'm not saying that he's been playing super well. And this is why they need to use the TPE to, to get a big wing, ideally, uh, is because you don't want to be in the playoffs where you're making a choice between these two guys. But um, I would still take Grant. Yeah. Also, I mean, he's going to be on the team longer. He's got a longer contract. Stuff, right. You know, Grant's 20, right. Grant's 22. Shemmy's 26. Like, that's, that, that should make the decision for you in, in terms of, like, guys that are on a pretty even level right now. All right, guys. I'm, I'm taking Neesmith and saying farewell. Have a good all rest right. of the conversation. Strong start to the end. Yeah. Um, all right. So the last one we have here, Ryan, is Neesmith versus Langford, which obviously it's, it's not really uh, an easy discussion until we can see Langford. But is there any, like, what scenario, I guess, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, you know, somewhere like a bigger name um, acquisition, whether it's, you know, like an OG type or Gordon, et cetera, um, where – you're probably going to have to, in addition to first round picks, you know, give a couple quote unquote lottery tickets and your younger guys, like where, like, who do you, who holds more value for the, for you right now out of the, out of those guys? Uh, if I were another team, so if I was a rebuilding team that was looking to take more of a flyer, I think I would take Langford. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I knew what his health status was, then I would probably also take him for the Celtics. I'm just so worried that he'll never be healthy and that like you can't, if you just can't rely on him and Neesmith has his own health questions, obviously, but if you can't rely on, on Romeo staying healthy really ever, then it's really difficult to, to have him on a team where you're expecting to go to the playoffs and, and maybe need him. Um, now Neesmith, you're not going to play in the playoffs this year either. So maybe from that perspective, it doesn't really matter, but I think that he's, what he's shown on defense is, is real and what his history is as a scorer is, you know, you'd think would be somewhat translatable. And while, I would generally like the lart, you know, the guy who's a little bit bigger and more of a shooter. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I would still take Romeo. Maybe it's just because we saw him last year and it was sort of eye popping that how how well he played on the defensive end. Uh, but I don't know. This is one of those. They're not exactly like players who are of the same type. They're just so different at this point in the way they play. It's a little bit fit as well that you might be considering there. Yeah, and I guess given how this team has played defense this year too. Like maybe that makes you more inclined to be like, okay, Langford probably will come in in handy a little bit more, um, at least in the present, versus a guy in Nisif who is who looks better on defensively, but still has a very long way to go um, in terms of being able to 
defend basic actions well and and not you know overcommit or make mistakes but um yeah i mean as far as certainly you'd want neesmith to be playing more than uh, carson edwards right now to in terms of like guys who could you know you see what you have and maybe you can you know bump up their value a little bit but it's it's something where i don't think you can you know once pritchard gets back here you'd hope that brad stevens you know kind of figures out or settles on a at least maybe a nine or a rotating 10 man group pretty quickly, as opposed to doing too much mixing and matching. Yeah, I think all these guys that we talked about, especially the younger guys are, should be in the mix for, for one or two rotation spots, but realistically it's maybe one or a half a rotation spot because Thompson is going to play right. you just go down the line of who's going to play. And it's like, okay, well then that's, you know, you get to nine really quickly, even with three centers. Uh, and then there's probably only one more spot. Now, realistically who should they be playing if they really cared about winning the games right now and they were fully healthy like we said I, I would leave Thompson behind in that case but they're going to keep playing a bunch of guys um so year three or four or five whatever it is of saying they need to consolidate trade they need to consolidate trade but realistically it's not going to be a consolidate trade it's going to be a TPE trade where they send one guy out and take one in and then a whole bunch of guys are just going to get demoted um mm-hmm. and, and play less and that's life in the NBA right there's only so many spots and so many minutes on the floor and when you're on a team that that has good top end talent uh, who can play a lot of minutes, then that's just the way it is. And, and, a, you know, a, a bad week here or there can, can set you back and you maybe don't play much again for the next six weeks until you get another opportunity, um, which it sucks. It's not fair every, but you think about it, like every other team is not every, most other teams around the league are having this conversation around their back end of the rotation guys too. And we just don't even like for us looking at their teams, like, Oh, these are the guys who should be playing. And their fan bases and their podcasts and their whatever else are talking about the same things about like this 11th guy, we got to find a way to get him on the floor. And then you go there and you're like, who is that guy? What do we care? Why is he on the floor? Like attack him, what, <laughs> leave him out. Right. I think it's, it's probably the same. That's why I sort of started saying for the conversation on a lot of these guys are like, are they a ninth or an 11th man? Yeah. Um, and the Celtics have a bunch of guys who maybe can do that. And some are younger and older and um, you just, hope that by the end of the season, they've got it figured out. Cause right now it, you know, you can get by. Right. I mean, all things considered 10 and seven based on, you know, Kemba being out for the first 11 games and, and COVID ravaging a good part of the roster already. That's, that's a spot that I think uh, the Celtics would, would have happily taken before the year started. And especially when you look at a team like the heat where they've, they are six and eleven right now, and the Raptors too. I mean, both of those teams just having, you know, there have been injuries and obviously COVID hit the Heat really hard, but they just have not been able to um, put together wins. And now are looking at a situation where they're probably. I mean, they're 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 it's the East, so they're still very close to a playoff spot, but they're going to be playing a juggernaut in the first round, um, even if they recover. Um, they may be playing their first round might be a playing game. I mean, for yeah. Those things. Absolutely. But at this point, it kind of looks like it will be for at least one of them. Uh, you know, I, it's going to be really hard to fall all the way out of the race this year and probably neither just because, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to separate when you get a COVID thing and suddenly you have to go and play four games with, you know, eight or nine guys. It seems like one of the things that may decide exact seedings is like whether or not your COVID outbreak dropped you below the eight player threshold and you had to postpone games until you were healthy or if you got stuck playing with eight guys or nine guys and like lost two extra games because you got screwed by that. Sure. Uh, which uh, it's, it's completely unfair. It's ridiculous. They, but um, 
it seems like that may be a, a deciding factor in, in certain things. But I thought coming into the season, just sort of looking at the schedule, that we would that the team would probably be ten and ten or eleven and nine when Kemba came back. And so to be ten and seven right now, and you'll probably you know maybe they'll still be eleven and nine when they get to that point. But knowing that Kemba is back and not having to work his way in from that point, that stuff looks looks pretty good. Um, and as I've said in other places and, and a couple of times, like I'm very high on the ceiling for this team just because of like Jalen's leap and what we know that, that Jason can do and Kemba hopefully can, um, you know, can, can find his shooting touch a little bit and then the ability to, to add, which I just continue to say, like they should not let this opportunity to add go to waste, spend now, improve this team for now and for the next year or two at the very least. Um, so I'm quite high on the, uh, you know, on the team and it's, 10 and seven doesn't seem like you should be necessarily, but uh, I think there are a lot of signs that are, that are pretty positive right now. For sure. And you know, this will, I think this next two weeks will be a pretty critical evaluation period before those moves are made with um, a five game West coast trip looning um, as well as a, a home date with the, the defending champs on Saturday night. And so you're, you're facing a lot of high powered offenses. Um, so this is a time I think where you, you know, you, you're not going to be able to, you know, mix it up too much with, with these back of the bench guys we've been talking about. You're going to go with the guys that you can trust in these spots. And I think after this trip ends, you'll probably have a pretty good idea of like, not that you, not that we don't already know what they need, but I think you can even zoom in a little bit more in terms of like um, what you can expect out of certain guys on the bench and, and in the rotation and where your biggest glaring deficiency is or two, if you want to, address two spots yep i agree it'll be an interesting couple of weeks and then it'll probably be a crazy scramble between the uh the moment when players sign this offseason and are tradable and when the the trade deadline comes up could be more movement in in that time than we have in the seen in the past um it'll be interesting interesting to see for me what sort of develops as a buyer's or seller's market because there are so many teams that have a have a, a reasonable thought that they're still in this um and there's just so few teams that are really out of it uh, because of that, that it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it might be a, a real seller's market where, where things bog down, but I suspect that teams will find a way to, to make changes this year, particularly just because it's a weird year. And I think not only do teams feel like they have a chance to be in the playoffs, but uh, even with the Lakers looking quite good, you know, you're kind of unsure, like, is this going to be another bubble playoffs? Is this an opportunity for right. us to make a run for it? Could we be this year's heat? Could we, you know, all that kind of thing. So there will be teams looking to, to move pretty heavy. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I do wonder though, at the same time, and to just to wrap up on this, like, this draft class is supposed to be pretty stacked too at the top and with yeah, no one top. at the very, very top, but with no one, if everyone thinks they're in it with this seven through 10 playing situation, um, by and large, that, that goes for the yeah, tank. Who, who are the two? I, I want to think there should be a couple front offices that are like, you know what? F this, like sell everyone. Let's maximize our chance of getting that bottom three. And, you know, maybe land a, a guy on, you know, in a year where it's not going to be that hard to, to tank towards the end. And you say it again and again, that the magic should be selling, but I know Pina wrote about the magic this week and about their continuity and whether or not they want to hold it together. And if they're going to wait until next year and get John Isaac back and bolts back and all that. And you're just like, is this, is this salesman that you're trying to, <laughs> trying to <laughs> say that you're not looking to move guys and you really are. And I mean, they, they just seem so primed to, to be the team that, that moves some guys out and, and takes a step back and blames it all on injuries and tries to get a premium draft pick and, and then move on from there. But you know, yeah, somebody has to, right. Somebody has to look at the landscape and be like, we don't really want to be the ninth 
rather have a 12 and a half percent chance at the first, you know, at, at getting Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or somebody like that. So um, the question will be for the Celtics, like, do, does that team have a player right. who's that... trading for? Because <laughs> uh, some of those, you know, is, does Detroit want to trade Jeremy Grant after, after just signing yeah. him? Uh, probably not. Uh, you want anything on the Pelicans? Here. Probably not. Like it's yeah, the guys that the Pelicans are talking about, they want to move is you know Lonzo and and JJ Redick. It's kind of like yeah, no thanks. Um, so it, that's the question. Teams that the Celtics need a need a wing, just like a lot of teams need a wing, and teams that have good wings are generally good because good wings make you good, and and so there just maybe aren't that quite that many around. Which is why I look at at Toronto. Mm. Just is you know do they make the decision on on Ananobi and Masai has all the the you know, he has a free hand to do whatever he wants after delivering the title. So uh, would they would they get a little wild and, and make a deal with an interconference rival? Um, I suspect not. I mean, I'm not saying that I you know think that he's going to get moved at the deadline, but that's who I would be going for and, and making a pretty heavy offer for. So. Watch him deal with Siakam. He just Good makes so much money. And he you does, know, he but like... Makes more than the TPE, right? So the Celtics can't go after him. I don't think they'd be particularly interested in him anyway. They want somebody who's probably lower usage, but... Uh, that, I mean, I've said before that the, the calculus on him is probably similar to DeRozan already, where it's like, you know what he is and what he is is good, but if he's your best player, you're never really going to get there. And it's hard for, hard to see how they're going to add a, a better player, you know, short of hitting, hitting on another Lowry type ac- acquisition who nobody sees as being that good and suddenly becomes a hall of famer for you. Yeah, it is actually like thinking like it is to that point, like, especially after his postseason last year, it's hard to see like any, yeah any really good playoff team being like, that's the guy that's going to put us over the top. It's more like, that's the yeah, guy. He's that... your third guy. I mean, would you rather have him or Kyrie? If you're the, if you're the next <laughs> like, type of thing. Right. Uh, Kyrie's been shooting the shit out of the ball since, you know, since they put that team together. Yeah. Uh, they aren't playing super well, but they, you know, he's, he's really shooting well. So I assume you'd rather have Kyrie, but that kind of question of like, is there a team that's, that's looking for that, that kind of thing or golden state, right. Would they give up a whole bunch with, somebody to to get him for queuing up next year because it, as your third or fourth option he's still still really yeah good. i mean that's where you can make but that's not where part. toronto is right yeah yeah it's it's they're gonna have it's gonna be really interesting for them i mean we'll see i assume the heat aren't gonna do anything because they're gonna be going to play their way into a spot and think they can obviously think they can play with anyone after last year once they're their full course there but that's the who falls they're out trapped of, they're trapped too Miami's interesting. I, like in the in the long term, you wonder if if they had lost in the second round, if it would have like made them more realistic about where they are and they would think differently about things. And you know, or is it going to be would Harden be there right now? The finals, but yeah, yeah, that kind of question, right? Um, um, but Bam's really good. That gives them something. Like I'd rather have Bam than Siakam. So on, on that level, I think they're in a better position than than the Raptors. But uh, both teams, yeah, it's a weird situation for both of them. They may be a little bit a little bit caught in, in the kind of middle of uh, an improving Eastern conference. All right. Well, we'll be keeping tabs on this all year long here on the wing place pod. Uh, give Ryan a fall at danger cart on Twitter. You can find me at Brian T Rob um, hit us up at winning place pod on Twitter as well. Please rate review, subscribe to the winning place pod. Um, all that good stuff. We very much appreciate it. And we'll be back with you guys next week to check in on this team as they head out west.